Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And my name is Cole Wissinger. Yes, and we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. We give you the very best in entertainment news. We talk reviews. We talk TV. Anything entertainment related, we want you to know about it as long as it's good. Right, Cole? That's what we try to do. Well, today on the show, we are going to be going back to our childhood a little bit. And I'm really curious to take a peek into Cole's childhood to Likewise. see what some of his viewing habits were back in the day. In case you didn't catch our episode last week, and if you didn't, you can go check it out on the podcast, we talked about how January tends to not have a ton of big movies coming out. And so in lieu of great movies to talk about, we're going to turn our sights to television. Absolutely. But before we do that, Cole, what is some of the good news that is coming out over this week? Well, speaking of what's in movies, right, and and kind of a lack of competition or whatever it is, Bad Boys 3, Bad Boys for Life, dominated (laughs) the box office last week. It it turns out when you revive a franchise 10 years later with older guys just kind of doing their thing, sometimes... It works. And this time it did. This time it in a did. big way. Going up against Doolittle, which if you had told me six months ago before I realized what Doolittle was actually going to be about and how weird of an ending it would have and all of that. <laughs> if you said the Robert Downey Jr. big CGI blockbuster Dr. Doolittle movie would make like 20-some million and the revival of a Bad Boys franchise where they don't even bring back Michael Bay and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are old and who knows what's going to happen was going to be the $70 million earner over MLK Weekend, um, I probably would have confused those two numbers or thought that you were confused when you were telling me. You would have thought that I was crazy. Yeah, but that's what happened. You probably still do think I'm crazy, but... um, (laughs) And in lieu of those numbers, we are going to get a Bad Boys 4. So there is something beyond Bad Boys for life. Bad Boys forever. Forever, maybe, is my early Bad Boys Infinity. Yeah. Let's do that. And then the next one could be Infinity plus one. Infinity War. <laughs> Whoa, Infinity Cole. Gauntlet. Whoa, Cole. All right. So that's that's exciting. I understand you've got some streaming news as well. Yeah. So bring it back to television. And one of these days, I've got a little DC bumper. I've got a Jeopardy bumper. I need to get a streaming bumper thing because okay. we're going to have a ton of streaming news as we get further and further into the streaming wars because we got some information on the Peacock this <gasps> week. Really? NBC's streaming service will be called The Peacock. We knew that. Yes. But we have some pricing and some information. Yes. So how much, uh, considering that you have all of the streams, how much would you be willing to pay for just the NBC stuff? It better not be more than $5 a month. Well, $5 would be a great guess because that's sort of what it is. Sort of. In an effort to streamline things and in – you know, corporate monopolistic decisions and whatnot. Uh, Comcast and Cox Cable and Internet are in the same line as NBC. And so if you happen to have Comcast Internet and you're paying for that every month, you can access the Peacock with ads for free. If you don't have their specific NBC Internet, then you have to pay five bucks and you'll also have ads and then you could pay five more dollars to get no ads. So okay. is that confusing enough? So if you have <laughs> Comcast, 
You can pay yes. five bucks, get the Peacock without ads. If you do not have Comcast Internet, you could pay five bucks just to get Peacock and have ads. Or you can pay ten bucks, Peacock, no ads. Cole, I'm predicting that I'm going to start having a lot more guests at my house because we do have Comcast Internet. And you're a lucky one. And all of those Friends fans are going to be flocking <laughs> like a flock of peacocks over to go. my house to have a marathon or something. What if I try to access your Comcast Internet account at the office here so that I can watch the office for free? Because that's cool. why I would need the NBC one. How could you? How could you? Maybe I'll invite you over for an episode or two. Thanks. If you bring pizza. Okay. All right. So that's exciting. Uh, In some very sad news, there has been a death. Uh, Somebody died at the age of 104, I believe, 104 years old. If this doesn't make the Oscars in memoriam, I'm going to be disappointed. Oh, it better. Although I don't think he's ever made any movies, has he? He's an icon of the screen. Mr. Peanut. The monocle, the top hat, and the cane. Dead at 104 years old. What a sad. Presumably. There's a lot of speculation online. There was a, a, a very brief commercial, only about 30 seconds long. And uh, you've got Mr. Peanut, Matt Walsh, and Wesley Snipes. Very odd trio. They are driving on a mountainside in the peanut mobile singing, I just died in your arms tonight (laughs) for some reason. Uh, Maybe a little foreshadowing, actually. Then they go tumbling off the cliff and all three of them are hanging off or hanging on to this branch and it's not going to hold all three of them. And so Mr. Peanut very selflessly sacrifices his own life so that Matt Walsh and Wesley Snipes can continue making TV shows and movies. And he plummets to what appears to be his death. Wiley Coyote's done that plenty of times. That's true. And it could be a publicity stunt. They are saying that Mr. Peanut's funeral will air during the third quarter of the Super Bowl. Of the Super Bowl. Whenever I hear big ad campaigns around this time of the year, I assume that they will be tied into the Super Bowl. Well, you never know. There could be son of Mr. Peanut. (laughs) There could be some offshoot. But the it's death interesting. and return of Mr. Peanut. That's too bad for Bill Hader because I believe Bill Hader voiced Mr. Peanut Mr. for Peanut a little while. Mr. Peanut had a while. voice? Yeah, in some of the commercials. I didn't know that. Well, we will miss you, Mr. Peanut. We will continue to enjoy your nutty goodness. Uh, we'll continue to buy your products. And we hope, against all hope, that you will be resurrected. I've got some dry roasted peanuts at home. I think I'll go home and celebrate. I just in his snacking. honor, in his honor, Cole. <laughs> I tell you, I I'm already I'm excited for the Super Bowl because I happen to enjoy football. But also, we should remind the folks that in just two weeks we will have the biggest movie trailer day of the entire year, the big advertising day of the year, the biggest you know everyone sits down and watches the same thing on their televisions day of the year. It all just happens to also include some football, which I'm a fan of. There you go. Now, if you asked me, on the other hand, when the Super Bowl will be. I couldn't tell you. You don't have a little party? Get some food? Popcorn? No. I know you're a fan. I'm a fan of food. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a fan of friendship yeah. and socializing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I the football, I can I can take it or leave it. You can catch, catch everything on YouTube the next but day. But to be fair to football, that could be true of most of the movies that I go to. I 
I probably wouldn't go to the movies as often as I do if I wasn't eating something. I have to be eating something if I'm watching a movie, especially popcorn, Cole. What if that movie was the return of a one Nicolas Cage to a franchise <gasps> that made him us, well, you know, to one of his many franchises? There's going to be another National Treasure movie, Jeff. Uh. Yay! Uh. Jeff. Um. The National Treasure movies. You know, I'll give you this. The first he one was fun. He steals the Declaration of Independence. The first one was fun. And I, I can appreciate that those are movies that – they know what they are, Cole. They know that they're ridiculous and they're just all about fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but of all of the Nicolas Cage reboots that we could have – I don't know that that's the one that I want. Oh, this is definitely the one that I want. It okay. May, you, you may be able to put the popcorn in the microwave in the comfort of your own home here. I think it's going to be a Disney Plus thing. That's what they've said okay. so far is that it could return to Disney Plus, maybe not in the theaters. But that's the another piece of news of the week. All National right. National Treasure 3. That's, coming soon. That's exciting. That is exciting. I will try to be excited for that, Cole. I already am. Okay, I'm enough great. for the both of us. You're good. Well, here's something I am excited about, Cole. So you know that I was disappointed when I made my wife purchase a new phone so that we could be eligible for the one-year trial of Apple TV Plus because I had heard that this was going to be family-friendly content and – you know, it's something that we could all enjoy. Yeah, I'm not sure where you heard it because it certainly you didn't heard end it too, up Cole. being the case. I heard you it heard from it. you. Okay, well, <laughs> here's the thing. Every single one of the shows that I've seen on there have been TV mature. Yes. So plenty of language, plenty of other stuff. So I'm hoping against all hope. I'm hoping against a lot of hope these days. Yes. Uh, that... A little show that was important to me in my childhood called Amazing Stories will be appropriate for the whole family. This was something that I loved. There were two seasons uh, produced by Steven Spielberg. There were some big names that they got to act in these episodes. It's an anthology that's kind of like the Twilight Zone, um, although probably not as science fiction-y, mm-hmm. just Amazing stories that there you go. it's all there, there on the tin. There is a there is kind of a supernatural element to it, I guess, and they're resurrecting it for uh, Apple TV Plus. And again, I am just crossing my fingers that when this series comes out in March, it'll come out on March sixth. That it will be TV PG or TV fourteen, something that I can enjoy. And not feel bad about. Well, if you're going to be excited for me about National Treasure 3, I'll be excited for you about this show that I've actually never heard of before. Okay. Well, just check it out. You won't be disappointed. Will do. Well, the reason we bring up Amazing Stories and how that was a favorite of mine growing up is because when we return, we want to dust off the old VHS tapes and See what was on Cole's Childhood Mixed TV and my Childhood Mixed TV uh, tape when we return. That's up next on Screen Cleaning.
Okay, Cole, I'm picturing young Cole Wissinger uh, putting in a dusty old VHS into his VCR. Yes. And we probably just shared some terms that might need some explaining. And enjoying an episode of X-Men? The animated series from the 90s with one of the greatest theme songs to open up a cartoon of all time. Wow. Even I remember that, Cole. And I, I didn't watch that show very much. But tell us why tell us why this would make your tape. And first of all, what is a tape? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in the prehistoric days uh, before TiVo, before DVRs, before you just went on the internet and streamed whichever exact episode you wanted to watch out of just any cartoon or television show imaginable on the many different streaming platforms there are, People had TVs and you had to stick in a tape that had this limited six-hour time depending on what speed you were recording at. Sure. And you could just record what show was on. Say you were going to leave. You had to go to soccer practice Saturday morning instead of sitting down and watching Fox Kids. You stuck in the tape before you left, recorded the whole morning, came back, watched it in the afternoon. Oh, Cole, I I made very good use of that extended play setting because, yeah, you, you know, there were so many shows to watch even back then. I had to get as many of them as I possibly could on one tape. And I, I will say that of the shows that we're going to share today, there's no tape that exists with all of these on them, although that would be probably one of the greatest gifts I could ask for. Uh-huh. But if I could make one today, thinking of the shows that I liked back then, these are the shows that would be on it. And this is the kind of challenge that we can even extend to our listeners. Take a moment and think, if you had six hours to tape just your favorite episodes of childhood cartoons and TV shows, what would make that six hours? That's what Jeff and I have spent the last week trying to figure out, and that's what we're about to share with you, starting with, for me, now X-Men doesn't quite, I couldn't, I couldn't think of just one episode of X-Men that could make the list. But there was another superhero cartoon that I watched a ton of as a kid that I know has to, and that is Spider-Man from the 1990s. Now, Christopher Daniel Barnes' voice is still Spider-Man to me. We've seen Tom Holland take on the role, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. But when I think of Spider-Man, the way he was able to be just nerdy kid Peter Parker and confident, witty, you know, quick quick quipping Spider-Man when he was in the suit was perfect. And that kind of dichotomy between Peter and Spider-Man is nowhere better on display than the three-episode mini-arc Spider-Man and the alien costume where he comes in contact with Venom for the first time. Whoa. We have yet to get a good Venom on the big screen. There was Spider-Man 3 that kind of threw just a bunch at us. There was Venom the movie with Tom Hardy. That, that was that was fun in a ridiculous way. But it was ridiculous and it, it wasn't Spider-Man and it was kind of dumb, goofy Tom Hardy doing Venom with different voices and jumping in lobster tanks. Like The <laughs> best Venom that we have had was still from this goofy 90s animated TV show where Peter Parker really comes in comes to grips with trying to figure out you know great power great responsibility taking on the suit even though it's hard and and even though he's starting to lose his powers and other things are going on um you know using his ingenuity using his science brain and 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 that little arc those three episodes are going to be the first hour on my tape 
Okay. Interesting. So ABC, there were a couple of shows that I really enjoyed there. And, uh, you know, mostly animated. Actually, that's not true at all. Beetlejuice was probably the only animated one that I really enjoyed on ABC. Beetlejuice, I was a big fan of the movie growing up, although the movie was, the movie to this day is still an interesting film because even though it's meant to be a comedy, there's still something a little unsettling about it that, I don't know, oh, yeah. makes you a little scared, I guess. I like it. So uh, I liked the the animated series a lot as well. The opening credits were awesome. Borrowing from that same Danny Elfman theme, actually, he did the theme for the TV show as well. And this is a little different from the movie in that Beetlejuice and Lydia are kind of friends and they go on all these wacky adventures together. And there was one episode that showed up in season four, episode 25, called Vidiots, where they get sucked in, Lydia gets sucked into a video game and they have to try to beat this computer so that uh, they're not stuck in there forever. Really enjoyed that. Another show that I liked that started out on ABC, this iteration of it started out on ABC and then it ended up on its way on uh, Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. This was a show that I loved so much and yet I was always heartbroken watching it, realizing that my family and I could never be on the show. And let me explain why. This is Double Dare, mm-hmm. Family Double Dare to be precise, and Family Double Dare featured two parents and two of their kids uh, competing against another family, doing all of these really wacky physical challenge, physical challenges, and there were there. It's a very messy show. You're getting whipped cream all over you and slime and all sorts of water and other liquids. I mean, this was the show that invented slime. Really, oh yeah, for people. yeah. But the reason I was so devastated watching this show is because I saw the format. Oh, two parents, two kids, and I have two parents, but I have six siblings. There's no way that I could ever be on this show. So in my mind, the only people that were on the show were families of four. Exactly. (laughs) So not thinking about, you know, auditioning for these types of shows and some people get chosen in your family, some people don't. So I really enjoyed it, though. It was a favorite of mine on, uh, on ABC and then it ended up going over to Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And and I would watch this, and, and I think that show might creep up a little later on my list as really? well. But before we get there, I do I, I want to keep I want to keep a theme here for the first chunk of my tape because superhero cartoons were just such a big part of my childhood, and there were so many that that didn't quite make the list either. And we're going to mention some honorable mentions because. Turns out six hours when you start off seems like a lot of time and it gets short fast. But right after Spider-Man, I'm going to kick it way back to even before my childhood. But I watched it when I was a kid, too. And it was a show called Challenge of the Super Friends. I watched it on Boomerang, which to me was just one of the best channels ever because it was commercial free through the episodes. And then you would have these little like side interstitial bits of just other pieces of cartoons in between. But 
uh, of all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons or anything else that could make the list, it was the Super Friends that definitely does. And there was one episode, it was only about 12 minutes, right, half of a, a big episode, that was called The Origin of the Super Friends, mm-hmm. where the Legion of Doom rises in their little Darth Vader helmet out of the swamp. And, <laughs> and they have a plot to go back in time and to stop when Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Superman got their powers. And, and they kind of knew when that happened. So they wanted to go back in time and kind of replace members of the Legion of Doom in so that they would be the superheroes. So, Cole, when I hear you describing the show about the Super Friends and uh, X-Men, I think of children's television, right? Having said that, do you feel like these are shows that you would still watch today? There are a couple, and I think my next entry is the best example of that. Those Spider-Man and and the Super Friends, the the older ones, are a little rougher to watch as an adult. But there was a show called The Justice League that aired on Cartoon Network, followed up by Justice League Unlimited, that I still enjoy today, and not just because of nostalgia reasons. I think that's one of the best constructed, best written, and, and, and best character studies of the DC superheroes that have ever been on screen, big or small. And my there are there are just so many of my favorite episodes of the Justice League through the years, from the pilot where we meet the Martian Manhunter for the first time, to the episode where Batman has to chase Wonder Woman down, who's been turned into a pig, and she has he has to find her, and then he has to sing a song at the very end. Wait, who was turned into a pig? Wonder Woman was really by, by a magic witch. Um, Okay. Who can do that? There was an episode with Flash that I've mentioned here on the show many times where he kind of shows some sympathy to his different villains. But of all the episodes, I'm going to pick the season, the, the series finale called Destroyer, where Superman gets to be Superman for the first time. He, he really just unleashes all of his power onto Dark Side because he can take it. And they just punch each other through buildings. And it is a true just embracement of cartoons and what superheroes can look like. And it it also just culminated and, and brought the whole series together in just a, a great way. Okay. Well, I want to share one more pick of, of, in this segment. This is a – so I asked you that question. Are these shows that you could still watch today? And this one, probably more than any pick on my list, any spot on my VHS tape would certainly – be something that I would watch today. So let me give you a little background on this show. You're familiar with the film A Christmas Story, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Anyone that's turned on a television on accident on Christmas Day knows a Christmas story. So this show probably would not exist, or at least not in its current format, without A Christmas Story. You know the format of A Christmas Story. You've got an adult narrator that is just reviewing his life and you're seeing it unfold, right? This is a show that ran from 1988 to 1993, won a lot of awards, and it follows Kevin Arnold as he orients his way through junior high and high school and as he has the on-and-off-again romance with Winnie Cooper. The girl that stole all of our hearts as we watched her on our television sets on ABC. And it is The Wonder Years. Oh. 
the Wonder Years, That's Cole. Right. So it's the it follows the same format as a Christmas story where you have uh, an adult Kevin Arnold narrating his life, and I think by the end of the series you find out that he's writing some big book or something like that. But a lot of people will recognize adult Kevin Arnold as Daniel Stern. The man who gave us uh, – he's either Harold or Marv. Marv. He's Marv. Harry or Marv. He's Marv from the Home Alone movies, at least the first two. And Kevin Arnold, young Kevin Arnold, is played by a wonderful actor named Fred Savage. Little Freddie Savage. An actor who still performs today. He directs a lot of shows too. So he's had quite the career over the years. And uh, one of the episodes that I remember very well is a group of friends – he and a group of friends, they find out about this girl's sleepover. And one of the friends leads them all to believe that, oh, yeah, they invited us to the sleepover. We just got to figure out a way to get there, right? And the girl's sleepover is kind of far away by kids' standards, right, especially if you don't – have a car or you're not taking your bikes. Right. You got to remember that age where you had to walk. It right. took so if long wanted, to walk yeah, anywhere. You had or... to go somewhere if you wanted to yeah. get there. You had to walk somewhere if you wanted to get there, right? And so throughout the episode, their numbers start to dwindle one by one for various reasons. And uh, by the time they get there, they knock on the outside of this girl's uh, window and the girls just look at them laugh and then close their blinds. So there really was After no that invitation. Grand adventure to get right. there. So there really was no invitation for them to join them at this slumber party. And uh, it turned out to be kind of a humiliating experience. But Cole, you and I never had any humiliating experiences at Certainly that age, not. right? That is what's so great about the show is that we've all gone through what Kevin Arnold went through and to see it with the the backdrop of this show, you've got the Vietnam War, and so there are a lot of very uh, very prominent world events that that you get to take that you get to witness as a part of these episodes as well. So, really, it's something that everybody can relate to, even the, today. I think the Wonder Years is by nature a nostalgic show because it's an adult looking back at what were the great years of his life, and so I love that it made this. Very inherently nostalgic list for us as well that it was a part of your growing up. I I was a little too young to have watched The Wonder Years at that time, but I've revisited it as an adult, and it's it is it's a, it's an entertaining show. And uh, Danica McKellar, who played Winnie Cooper, still shows up in a lot of TV movies, and in fact, there's a running gag in the the recent film Knives Out that has to do with Danica McKellar that I thought was very funny. Anyway, I'm glad that you brought up TV movies because my last pick for uh-huh. this first half of our tape is going to be a TV movie. And, and really, from my childhood, it could only come from one channel. It's going to be a Disney Channel original movie. Of the, course. The DCOM, as it were. And I'm going to fit it into my superhero motif of my first half of my tape and wrap it up with Up, Up, and Away. From up, 2000. Up way. I've it never was, heard of this. It came out five years before Sky High, six years before Zoom, and featured a family of superheroes uh-huh. just going about everyday American life, being, being a family, dealing with who's going to take out the trash and do the laundry for that day while they were at the same time 
had those secret identities and and at night would don the the superhero capes and leather costumes and go fight crime but but uh, as opposed to Sky High, and it starts very, very similar to Sky High, where this young man is approaching adolescence, where he should be developing his powers, and he's not sure if they're going to come in. Um, whereas in Sky High, he gets them and he saves the day. This kid in Up, Up, and Away never does get the powers, and yet he and his other normal friends without powers go and save the superheroes from these mind-control evil villains. This kind of sounds like Mystery Men, Cole. Well, and it's it's around the same era, and it does kind of poke fun a little bit at the superhero genre many, many times. It's such an enjoyable movie, and it's on Disney+, Plus, as I assume all of the Disney Channel original movies are. There were so many, so many to pick from, but... But Up, Up, and Away is one that I don't think it's talked about enough and is is genuinely probably my favorite or second favorite next to like Johnny Tsunami and Brink and, and some of the other big ones. Well, Cole, we've already taken up about half of our videotapes. And when we return, I am so excited to tell you uh, and share with you what is on the other half of my childhood mixed TV tape because now I get to move over to Nickelodeon. And really... This is, this meant the world to me. And again, I can't wait to share that with you. That's up next here on Screen Cleaning. Ooh, I could listen to that song all day, Cole, because that is the theme song to one of my favorite childhood television shows on Nickelodeon. The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah, we started the last one with my favorite TV theme song. I thought I'd give you this one. Pete and Pete, your favorite TV theme song. That's bold. Well, no, I wouldn't say that, but uh, maybe one of my favorite childhood TV theme songs. Okay. This is a show on Nickelodeon that, from the title, you know it's going to be a ridiculous show because you have these two brothers that are both named Pete. They're not named like Pete the first or Pete the second. They're just both Pete Wrigley, right? Yep. And they both have red hair. And one of the the older Pete, he's kind of the the show narrator, he, but he narrates on camera. And then the younger brother, Pete, is really the one who has the most ridiculous adventures in, in on the show. The younger one was Danny Temporelli, right? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. And he went on to do show, other shows on Nickelodeon that I'm sure you're familiar with. All that he was he in was the on first figure it out for a while oh. on the game show Nickelodeon he, thing. He was on. Uh, he was in the first Mighty Ducks movie as well. Right. So uh, the opening credits not only give us this great theme song, but you also get a, a sneak peek at a lot of the characters, the wacky characters that will come up in the show, including his parents. His mom has a metal plate in her head. Uh, they have a best friend named Ellen who, for some reason, waves around color guard flags on, you know, in the opening credits. But my favorite character that was not a member of the Wrigley family was Artie, the strongest man in the world. And he's, nice. the funny thing is, he's kind of this scrawny, 
skinny guy, <laughs> and he's apparently the strongest man in the world. But he's kind of this weird adult figure that hangs out with these kids. You probably don't want to spend too much time thinking about that. But he, and looking back on it, I wonder if he has some mental issues. He clearly might. But this is a show that was just so wacky, and each and every adventure was just so over-the-top ridiculous. But my favorite episode would have to come in Season 1, Episode 3, called The Nightcrawlers. Mm-hmm. And these kids have decided that, you know what? Who came up with this arbitrary bedtime? We're going to go against the system here. We're going to band together. We're going to form this group of friends called the Nightcrawlers. And we're going to see if we can break the world record of staying up for 11 days straight. <laughs> no sleeping at all. And so you just get to see the fun and ridiculous games that these friends play together in an effort to try and stay up and beat the system and, and you know, shake the fist at their parents who are forcing them to go to bed, right? And it's just so much fun to see one by one as these kids start to fall off and literally fall asleep and some of the things that they try to do to stay awake and Wouldn't you know it, Artie, the strongest man in the world, is a part of this group of Nightcrawlers. And it's just my favorite episode from a wonderfully quirky, funny television show called The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I'm also going to now transition into the Nickelodeon. For me, it'll be cartoons. I, I look down my list. I don't have a single live-action kids show coming up, but I'm going to I'm going to transition from my superheroes into Nickelodeon with an episode of The Fairly Odd Parents, where the Crimson Chin meets Mighty Mom and Dino Dad. Timmy Turner, uh, an average kid that no one understands, has fairly odd parents in this show, and he reads comic books much like I did when I was a young boy, and his favorite comic book superhero is the Crimson Chin, so often he'll wish for the Crimson Chin to be in his world or for him to go into the Crimson Chins, and in this particular episode, Mighty Mom and Dino Dad come back, which are characters that Timmy had previously wished his parents were superheroes, and they team up and they have to fight the Crimson Chin and they have to fight many different iterations of the Crimson Chin. We kind of see what the Crimson Chin looked like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, the gritty, you know, 80s with guns Crimson Chin. And as a kid that loved comic books, I loved seeing the different eras of comic book superheroes represented on this goofy, fun Nickelodeon TV show. All right. Well, I'm going to share my animated pick that was on Nickelodeon. Um, this is a show that I, first of all, can't believe was ever greenlit as a children's show on Nickelodeon. It's a show that I can't believe I was ever allowed to watch. In fact, I'm convinced maybe my parents didn't know I was watching it because if they had sat down and watched this with me, there's no way I would have been allowed to watch it. I think and, a lot of the early Nickelodeon shows count sure, for that. But this one especially— Just my era— this is the earliest example of a of a cartoon that I can think of that really pushed the envelope and really was not suitable for kids. It was more of an adult show. Now, it there's there's no profanity in it that I can remember, but the animation is so uh crude and gross and grotesque. And a lot of the humor certainly is risque and quite crude. But there is a show 
called Ren and Stimpy. One of the first ever Nickelodeon shows, by the way. Right. And this is a show that uh, very quickly caught the attention of a lot of parents who started writing letters to Nickelodeon in hordes because this is a show that if you, as a kid, you won't understand a lot of the risque and crude humor, but as an adult, you certainly will. Mm -hmm. And there was one episode in particular that I thought it was, this was on a tape growing up. I remember rewatching it over and over and over again. This is the episode that actually didn't really feature Ren and Stimpy. They come in at the very tail end of the episode, but it was called Powdered Toast Man. This was in Season 2, Episode 2, and there is this buff, speedo-wearing superhero called Powdered Toast Man who flies through the air backwards and upside down, I might add, and his head is... A couple of pieces of of uh, toast, cinnamon powdered toast, right? And he brings joy to the boys and girls of the world by showing up just when when he's needed. And he scrapes some of the cinnamon sugary powdery toast onto their breakfast plates, and it's like a miracle. And he saved their breakfast, but he also saves the world. There are these situations where the fate of the world <laughs> is in his hands and he saves the saves the universe even. The pope inexplicably shows up in this episode <laughs> as does the president of the United States. Um there's a scene in a bathroom that as I think of it I is just another reminder of oh my goodness I cannot believe this show could ever be on Nickelodeon. And I will say it's one that uh, brings to mind some of the some of the shows that we see on TV today. I don't know that we'd have uh, SpongeBob SquarePants if it wasn't for Ren and Stimpy. Just that really bizarre, quirky, and at times adult humor that pops up a little bit in some of the kids' shows today, but certainly not as overtly and as uh, explicitly as you would have seen on Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy being one of the first three. So when Nickelodeon started airing cartoons, they debuted with three cartoons. There was Doug, which I think has my second favorite ever TV theme song. Yeah. Then Ren and Stimpy. And the third one. Now, and these three all aired before I was even born, but I was a toddler and and a, a baby when Rugrats also aired and started showing. I've got an episode of Rugrats that I want to mention. It 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 throws back to a lot of the weird sci-fi and, and horror movies that I grew up with where the babies start by watching basically it's kind of like the fly or, or another you know mad scientist doing a an experiment with yeah. these pods and they accidentally you know tumble into a a closet there in their house and they imagine that they fast forward in time 10 years to where they're kind of middle schoolers and they have an adventure 
as as grown ups as grown ups. They're all grown up for this episode, and it actually was such a popular an hour long kind of episode of Rugrats that it would go on and spawn its own spin off called Rugrats All Grown Up. But I was about a middle schooler when this, or or a little bit earlier, right? I was the age that they were kind of fast forwarding to when this first aired, and it was really cool seeing the babies that I had grown up with be, you know, grown-ups as far as I was concerned at the time in this one episode of Rugrats. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was a fan of Rugrats as well. I never saw any of the movies. I think those probably came out when I was a little too old. But Talking about VHS tapes, they were the ones that always would come out on the orange VHS tapes when you'd go buy them at the store. Yeah. So getting back to live action, but staying with Nickelodeon, there was a show that only lasted for two seasons, 26 episodes, And the reason I loved this show so much, Cole, is because as a kid, I always fantasized about going to a summer camp and getting to do – spending the whole summer playing games, doing, you know, rowing in a canoe and just having campouts, things of that nature – now, of course, I, I think got I have a, a pretty good idea which show you're going to be talking sure. about. Then. Of course, I I had a little bit of exposure to that as I went to scout camps, but those were only a week long and you spent the majority of the week, it seems, working on merit badges. I just wanted to go and have fun and make friends, but I never got to go to summer camp. So the next best the next best thing for me was to watch a show called Salute Your Shorts. Yep. And this was a show with a bunch of wacky characters with names like Budnick and Donkey Lips. And uh, their counselor's name was Ugg. So just to give you an idea of how silly this show was, my favorite episode came toward the very end of this show's run. It was season two, episode 10, and it was in an episode called Capture the Flag. This is an episode where, again... You're not only are they at camp, which was already a dream for me, but they were playing capture the flag again. I'm on board, but not only that, capture the flag with water balloons. This is how you got your opponents out. You didn't tag them when they're on the op- on the wrong side of the line, but you had to you had to throw water balloons at them. And this is a great episode that I think a lot of underdogs could could really identify with because Donkey Lips, who is this overweight boy with a name like Donkey Lips, who kind of has a little bit of a speech impediment, he is the one that ultimately is the hero of this game and of this episode because nobody wants him to be on the offense because he's so slow, but he ends up winning the game for his whole team. Nice. And uh, you get to see people die their capture the flag deaths in slow motion to make it a little more dramatic as they're just have all these water balloons thrown at them. And uh, yeah, this is a show that I wish would have lasted for more than two seasons because I was in heaven watching this show growing up. The cool thing about the Nicktoons that were airing around this time is that a lot of times they would have two different stories per episode. So if we've got six hours to fill on this VHS tape, 
I can cram in a ton right now because I just need half an episode. Give me 11 minutes and I can watch an episode of SpongeBob. The very first episode of SpongeBob I ever remember watching was the Fry Cook Games where he and eventually Patrick end up competing in this Olympic-style grandiose event that is just different fry cook kind of things, which is, you know, kind of a goofy thing to have an Olympics about. There was the pilot from Chalk Zone, which was another of my (laughs) favorite shows where this kid in in elementary school or middle school finds this magical piece of chalk that when he draws a circle on the chalkboard can enter into a world of all the creations that you draw and eventually erase from the chalkboard. There was... Rocket Power, which as a kid that, uh, you know, I, I skateboard around nowadays, th- this was my dream, being able to to play street hockey and skateboard and snowboard and do all the things that Otto and Reggie and Twister and Sam would do on Rocket Power. They had one episode where they went and visited Tony Hawk's lair. Whoa, cool. And they had to go through this big adventure course to get to meet Tony Hawk at the end. And at the very end, they had these cool light-up skateboards that the lights would turn out, and it was just a very cool visual. I can I can picture it today just the same as I could 10, 20 years ago when it first came out with all the gang you know, skateboarding around this giant course and Tony Hawk dropping down into the, the half-pipe as well. And then I think the most put-together and, and the best Nicktoon of all time, and, and I can't leave my list and end my tape without it would be Avatar The Last Airbender. Aha. And my favorite episode of that was in season one where we get some of the backstory of not only Aang, our last airbender, but also the villain eventually turned hero, turned anti-hero Zuko when there is a storm that sets down upon the world and they both kind of take a break to tell their stories. Uncle Iroh telling the story of how Zuko got his scar and Aang telling the story of how he first knew that he would be the Avatar, finding out before they normally do and and reacting how any 12-year-old would and kind of running away from his responsibilities, why he was in the ice for so long and and how they allowed the Fire Nation to take over the world as it kind of did. This was this was, you know, about halfway through that first season where you really knew, hey, this show isn't just any other SpongeBob or fun goofy show on Nickelodeon. This one has a little bit more to it. Yeah. Cole, growing up, we were lucky that we had these tapes that we could plop in and tape some of our favorite shows, right? Oh, yes. But back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for households to only have one television set, maybe two television sets, whereas opposed, as opposed to today where we have it on our computers, we've got multiple sets throughout our house. But growing up, I had a big family, two TV sets, one in our family room, one in my parents' room. And and in my house, to record things, the TV had to be on the right channel to set the recording. You couldn't just record on one channel and then have your siblings watch something else. Ah. So, um, and I was also the youngest, which meant I was very low <laughs> on the totem pole, right? So when Snick came on on Saturday nights, it, it could be a bit of a challenge to get to see my favorite shows. Ren and Stimpy was on there. I think Pete and Pete was maybe on there for a time. But my favorite show, probably of all time on Nickelodeon, was a show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, this is a show 
that was an anthology series, but every episode started and ended the same way because you had this group of friends as part of a midnight society that would gather around this campfire and they would tell these spooky stories. And then at the end of the episode, they would put out the fire just like every responsible uh, young person should. That was told by Smokey in the 90s. Right. But they started each episode by saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story the tale of blank, right? And there are three— Toss the sand into the fire. Right. There are three episodes that I wanted to mention specifically, and I'll go in chronological order here, Cole. How about that? So the first one would be the tale of laughing in the dark. And this is the one that you may remember that contained Zebo the Clown, where they go to this carnival where there's this creepy attraction that's always, you know, uh, that's always hosted by this creepy guy in a, a pinstripe suit and one of those hats. And he invites these kids in. And there's, of course, there's always a character that thinks that he's above it all and he's not going to be scared of this clown. And then this clown terrifies him throughout the episode. Very creepy. Zebo the Clown in Tale of Laughing in the Dark. The next one would be one that is a little more obscure called The Tale of the Dark Music. The reason I thought this one was so scary was because there's this mysterious door in this boy's basement that had this, that would like suck things into it, some portal of some sort. And, uh, This kid is tormented by a bully, and this kid kind of turns the tables on this bully at the end, and this this bully kind of gets sucked into this portal. But the idea of something being in your basement that could could eat you or take you away from this world that you've come to know and love, and yeah, it's— it's it's this whole idea of not feeling safe within your own home. Mm-hmm. Really preys on on the fears of young people. And then the last one I want to, I want to mention is again kind of along the same lines as that Beetlejuice episode that I mentioned earlier. This one is called The Tale of the Pinball Wizard. This idea of being sucked into a video game, right? So there's this kid who uh loves video games, love pin loves pinball games. And he is he is in this guy's shop one time at the mall, and he's bugging this proprietor saying, oh, what's that, what's that pinball game in the back room? Can I play it? And he's like, no, you must never, ever play that game, <gasps> right? And so this guy entrusts this boy to watch his shop for about 15 minutes while he goes to the bathroom or goes and takes care of an errand. And, of course, this boy can't help himself. And he plays this pinball game and gets sucked into it. And so you get to see him basically like pass the level as he's inserted into this pinball game. Unfortunately, it doesn't end the way that he would hope. And uh, this is a show that, again, I could not miss. If both TVs were tied up, I would inconvenience neighbors. I would go (laughs) over to neighbors' houses and I would say, can I please watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I could not miss this show. And uh, I can't wait for the day, Cole, when I can share it with my kids. And I don't know. What do you think is a, a good age to introduce kids to this show? 
Well, so it's it's a good introductory scary, right? I, I watch a lot of scary things in general and horror movies, but this was, you know, Snick's idea was for that middle school range, right? Once you hit double digits on an age, when you're that preteen, 10, 11, 12, that was the bread and butter of Snick in general. I think really? that's about where you're at. Oh, I just feel like if you waited until 11 or 12, your kids would be bored with it at that point. Well, nowadays, because we have... Better uh, television shows. Okay. I've got a couple more slots to fill here on my list, and I saved them for my two favorite cartoons, my two favorite shows growing up. One was Digimon, and the other was Animaniacs. Now, Digimon uh, had the better television show, for the record. Pokemon had the better video games, but both were a big part of my childhood. Digimon was the story of these seven young kids that go to camp for the summer and wind up living in a digital land, as the song goes. And my favorite episode is where they actually end up heading back out of the digital world to Tokyo and solve the problems of the Digimon that have kind of been released onto the real world. And, and they use their, you know, Digimon and they evolve up and they have these big fights in the streets of Tokyo. And it's uh, it's really fun. And then Animaniacs is kind of born in these little skits, right? So my favorite song, because you have to have a favorite song, it's the song with the U.S. presidents. Hi-ho, do you know? The names of the U.S. presidents who then became the residents of Pennsylvania Avenue. And then it goes on to say George Washington was first. You see, he wants to chop down a cherry tree and, and go through the list of oh, the presidents awesome. up through uh, Bill Clinton, the Clintons, Bill so and Hillary at the time. So there's educational value there too. Oh, so many of their songs were educational. My favorite, Good Feathers, was actually the very first one where they do just the most riffing on the Goodfellas movie that I now recognize and definitely didn't when I was a small sure. child. Slappy the Squirrel was one of my favorite characters. She had an episode where she kind of, being a, a former movie star herself in the context of the show is walking through all these sets and sees all the the movies that are going on uh rita and runt uh they had an episode where they end up at frankenstein's mansion and what looks like the bride of frankenstein is looking for another dog brain to put into her creation and rita has to kind of save the day as she normally does um and then i kind of start running out of room and i realized that i don't have a favorite Pinky and the Brain episode because they were kind of my f- least favorite skit on the Animaniacs. They're the ones that got the spinoff and, and everyone remembers that theme song as well. Pinky and the Brain, not my favorite. They don't make the cut. Really? That's surprising, Cole. Well, Cole, I am so excited that we've had this time to reminisce, to maybe consider revisiting some of these shows even today or sharing them with those that we love And uh, when we return, we are going to do a little panning for good and maybe talk about a couple of other shows you might want to consider, either for yourself or for your kids. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. We hold you in our hearts, and when we think about you, it makes me want to (laughs) fart. It's I hope we never part, now get it right or pay the price. There's good in them there hills. <laughs> There's good in them there hills. There always is. Every week, Jeff. Yep. And this is the segment where we do a little digging to to find something that is especially noteworthy, something that you might 
not see on the surface, right? There's a lot of content on Netflix. There's a lot of content on Disney Plus. Let's start out with a show that you probably are likely familiar with, although maybe you've forgotten and it's time to revisit it. And you certainly can do that on Disney Plus with Gravity Falls. Now, Cole, we were talking about shows that have. Some adult humor, maybe don't push the envelope as much as Ren and Stimpy did. But Gravity Falls is certainly another show that my wife and I were listening to our kids watch this show for the hundredth time in the background. And my wife remarking, you know, I bet half of the humor that they're seeing and hearing is going right over their heads. Because every time we hear it on in the background or we watch bits and pieces of it, we're laughing our heads off at this show about these two kids who go to spend the summer with their uncle who runs the mystery shack. And, of course, the the S is conveniently off of it, so it's mystery hack. And this uncle is kind of a hack. They call him their great uncle Stan or grunkle Stan. And in Gravity Falls, a lot of mysterious things happen, and they all have to work together to figure out the mystery and put things back to the way they were, right? This this show has a lot of great characters. It's one to check out for sure. That's a newer show that Jeff didn't come to until he was an adult, but I have an older one that I didn't start watching until very recently. When you mentioned Danny Elfman's theme and a show from your childhood, I thought we were going to talk about The Simpsons. This Uh is a show that wasn't on my childhood mixtape, but I do want to mention, you know, it it doesn't take a lot of panning to find maybe the greatest TV sitcom of all time, greatest cartoon of all time, but I wanted to mention one of the more emotional or feel-good episodes of The Simpsons that I've recently come across while watching on Disney+, and Maggie Makes Three, where it grabs uh, an... A method that the Simpsons use about once a season where they sit down and they kind of tell a story and do flashbacks, sort of. And it's the story of when Maggie was first born. And it and it's really, like, heartwarming. I grew up thinking the Simpsons was one of these, you know, too old for me kind of gross, inappropriate cartoons. But it turns out a lot of their episodes were really sentimental and, and really good. And this is, I think, one of the best examples. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. We are here each and every Saturday on BYU Radio, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And we're available anytime if you check out the podcast, Screen Cleaning. So, until next week, go enjoy one of these old childhood favorites of ours, or start thinking about your own. We'll see you next week.